Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Becker's Healthcare Podcast Series. I am Molly Gamble, Vice President Editorial with Becker's. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Scott DeNegri. Scott is the Senior Vice President and Chief Performance Officer of the Hospital for Special Surgery, which is the world's leading academic medical center focused on musculoskeletal health. He joined HSS in 2013 and is responsible for operational excellence, data science and analytics, OR capacity management, and a portfolio of transformation projects spanning the clinical and operational enterprise. Scott also founded and served as the executive director for the HSS Center for Analytics Modeling and Performance, known as CAMP for short. He holds a Bachelor of Science in Mathematical Sciences from Johns Hopkins University, a Master's in Management Science from Lehigh University, and a Doctor of Philosophy in Industrial and Systems Engineering, also from Lehigh University. Today, Scott and I will discuss the limitations of manual processes in enhancing perioperative operations, understanding how access to real-time data and an operations management platform leads to sustainable performance improvement, and the current and future perioperative operations landscape, and what digital transformation means for the industry. Scott, thank you for being with me today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, with that, let's jump into the first topic in, in the conversation today, and that is how you are managing period operations. It's a pretty complex job. I'd be curious first to learn about some of the challenges HSS has experienced. Can you describe those for us? Sure. So HSS, as you mentioned, is, is entirely focused on musculoskeletal health. What that really means in the operating room is a lot of orthopedic surgery. By nature, is highly complex. And um, when patients need to get into the OR, often they're in a lot of pain. So it's important that we are able to provide sufficient access to all of our surgeons so their practices can grow and thrive and make sure that our patients can get services and care in an appropriate amount of time. But there are a lot of people and a lot of different processes that need to come together uh, to make that happen. A lot of our focus is really on making sure uh, that we have appropriate capacity, and then most importantly, uh, at the individual surgeon level, so the surgeons can plan appropriately, uh, notify their patients, and do appropriate planning, and then ultimately grow their practices at the pace that they would like, and provide a level of care to meet their goals and the goals of the institution. We have been challenged historically because we have, you know, lived in a very manual world particularly when we were trying to manage our time in the OR, that was all handled largely by a small team of people that were experts in OR scheduling and had a deep experience in, in management of that process, but with very little help uh, from technology and a lot of sort of broken governance and upstream processes that made their job uh, really difficult. When I took over the process, you know, I, I found that the individual that was in charge, I mean, most of her documentation was done in, in what I've described sort of as a, a Harry Potter type of book, a very large, you know, old logbook where she was very diligent to keep extremely good records. But you can imagine it was challenging for her to do that and resulted in a situation where there was no data uh, that could really be used effectively to continue to manage the process. Got it. So you just shared a lot there, Scott. You have a lot of orthopedic surgeries occurring. Patients are in a lot of pain. So you're, you want to make sure, of course, the patient experience you're solving for. But then also you mentioned ensuring that surgeons have ability and opportunity to grow their practices uh, in terms of access. So 
it sounds like the challenge, the, the biggest one going into what we're about to talk about was how technology came in the picture is that it was a pretty manual world. You mentioned this uh, documenting of OR scheduling in a Harry Potter-like book. I imagine as soon as you started leveraging technology, this was a pretty, pretty noticeable change. Um, can you talk about technology entering a picture to solve for these problems and how it improved perioperative operations? Absolutely. I mean, I think there were there were really three specific challenges that we were trying to overcome. So it was very challenging for the team to manage just being in an outdated and archaic world and applying an operations management system sped up all of their administration of the OR schedule and allowed them to document in a system that would be immediately shared with all of their constituents. So the OR itself, the surgeon offices, any downstream resources that needed access to that information. So overnight, they went from a paper process to one that was quickly digitally enabled. Number two, it allowed us to basically a process to analyze that would take weeks to months just to get basic determinations of how well the OR was being utilized all of a sudden was fully automated for us. So uh, all the data, every single case that gets scheduled and every exchange of time now flows through a single system. And so the analytics team that used to be, you know, very, very inundated with requests for this data and spent a lot of time pulling data out of manual systems, combining it in Excel and other tools like that, and ultimately generating uh, analytics and insight from that effectively had their world automated overnight, and that allowed them to switch to actually using that data to make better decisions to allocate time. And then the third area was really focused on our surgeons and their ability to have flexibility in their practices and have full visibility over the OR schedule. Historically, the only way they could, you know, sort of understand where time was available uh, was to request time through email or phone calls. They would wait a day or two to hear back whether that time was available. You know, days would pass, but they would they would get back to the office a couple of days later, um, and all of a sudden you had time that you know that sat empty for for four or five days when there was clear demand um, from the surgeons and the, from the patients. And the result was that there was time that that could have been used and should have been used that ultimately went unused simply because lack of visibility, knowing it was available and then slow processes to assign that time to people that could actually use it. I mean, that's a great interview of so many of the, the results and the effects you've seen from leveraging technology. For listeners who are curious about what precisely that technology was, I guess the timeline, if you have one to point to, of how long it took to see these results, can you expand more about the, the details of the tech uh, as the listeners have an understanding of what led to these great results you just listed for us? Absolutely. A little bit of history. Um, so we started looking at this process probably in, in early, late, late 2019, early 2020, made the determination that we obviously needed something better than the, the manual and, and, and logbook process we had in place. So we went to the market to determine um, what could effectively provide a layer between our electronic medical record, uh, where all the patient records are stored. And the OR scheduling team and the analytics team uh, that wanted to be able to allocate time, move that time around, share that information with surgeons, and ultimately use that information to identify opportunities for optimization. 
And so we went out and, and looked for, you know, what I called an operations management platform. And there were a few on the market. Uh, we did a pretty extensive review of those that were out there and ultimately selected uh, the hospital IQ system, which is really comprised of, of two core pieces. So it has a, a very mature analytics platform that, you know, the, the primary purpose there is to provide us with information about how well the OR is being used in aggregate, provide individual surgeons the information about how well they're using their own time, build in artificial intelligence and other tools that can help you know, optimize the time by suggesting to surgeons uh, when there's time available that they might want to use, or conversely, time that they don't typically use or that they haven't booked into yet that they may want to give back and allow their colleagues to use. It also provides similar suggestions to uh, the team that manages the time. Dr. X is, you know, has not booked anything into this, um, into this schedule yet. Um, may make sense to, to reach out to them and see if they intend to do so uh, or if they'd like to transfer the time elsewhere. So that, that's the analytics side of it. Use it both on a daily basis to do those little, those little nudges and little mini optimizations. And then we use the data uh, largely in aggregate to understand how to move time from one surgeon to another and uh, how to manage capacity at the highest levels for HSS to ensure that, that we have enough capacity in the system to manage the patient demand. The other side of the system is what I refer to as, as a marketplace. It's an open platform where all of the schedules in the OR, uh, what we call the block schedule, uh, is available thirty their own days that they've been assigned to them, and they can book into that time as they see fit. Um, and then they can also see where there's other time in the system, whether it's available or they expect it to become available, and very easily can request that time. And then an algorithm prioritizes distribution of that free time based on the highest need for our surgeons and allocates it accordingly. And so it makes the process of uh, creating flexibility in the system automatic, um, and it also made it a lot easier for our surgeons to have visibility into what was previously a black box. So created a lot of trust there, but also just made their lives easier in their offices because, you know, the nature of their, their practices is they need that, that flexibility. And when a patient needs to get in, they need to know about it quickly. This was particularly important given the timing of when we choose, chose to uh, implement it, which was, you know, about a month or two into the COVID-19 pandemic, which, you know, the, the sort of the, the process was, was in place before the pandemic started, um, and we elected to continue with the implementation during that period of time and turned out to be a very, you know, very good move because, as you might expect, our volume has been extremely variable as patients and providers have been impacted by COVID. People have left the city, other people have come in. Typical trends in volume have just been effectively thrown out the window. I mean, all to say that our surgeons uh, needed a lot more flexibility in their schedules than they ever have. And had we not had something that could easily identify where those gaps were um, and give them a mechanism for accessing them, we would have had, you know, significantly more trouble uh, getting back to business once we were, we were able to do elective surgery again. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. I'm going to loop back on that thought in one moment. But, you know, you mentioned at the start, you were, the team was operating from a pretty archaic world. And you pointed to a place where it sounds like your OR scheduling capacity management is much more visible, much more timely, more intuitive. I'm curious if there was any sort of cultural or 
people facing um, challenges or, or notes worth sharing with colleagues under the thinking that transformation like this, it's largely 80% people, 15% process, 5% tech. How has your organization embraced these enhanced and automated technological capabilities? Was there any reluctance or were people pretty eager to, to adopt? So, of course, there's been a little reluctance as there is, you know, as you mentioned, anytime you implement something like this. But I would say that there has been very little and the, the system has been adopted quite easily for a couple of reasons. You know, it, it didn't hurt that when we made this significant change, frankly, there was a pandemic going on and there were a lot of other things happening that, you know, people appreciated us being able to modernize at a time when they really needed um, a better system. So had we done it at a different time period, it may have, you know, gotten a little bit more attention, gotten a little bit more resistance, or even some questions about why we needed a different process. Um, so that helped us. Uh, we had the wind at our back there a little bit. And then the other reason um, that I think we were successful was it was really driven by our surgeons. It was a system that, you know, we felt was, was built for them. And they helped us lead the implementation. So, you know, I have, I have a partner at the, the hospital who, uh, from a surgical perspective, is really in charge of efficiency and operations management, uh, Dr. Dave Maiman. Uh, he and I, you know, led the implementation with our team. And because, you know, he had such a big hand in designing, you know, the, the configuring the system to work for HSS and really communicating to our surgeons that this is something we were putting in place based on their feedback and to make their lives easier. I think it, it was a very smooth adoption. In fact, as soon as we implemented it in the main hospital, a number of surgeons that also operate ambulatory surgery centers were sort of chomping at the bit to, you know, to, to get access to the system there because they saw he, how easily it was to, to use um, and ultimately to move their cases from one location to another. I would say we got resistance because we also leverage the new technology to make some operational and governance changes that we had been intending to make and really didn't have a system to execute on until we implemented uh, Hospital IQ. Um, and that was things like changing the way that we measured time, tightening up um, regulation of that time, and ultimately, you know, moving forward with pretty significant reallocation of time from surgeons that, that really didn't have enough to support their practices to those that had more than they needed. So it's fair to say we got some resistance there, but, you know, not necessarily because of the implementation of the technology, more about, you know, the operational changes that we used that the technology enabled. But even that, you know, would have been much more challenging in a time without transparent data. And, you know, we, we were left in a world where, you know, if, even if people didn't agree with the decisions that were made, they had access to the data, they could understand why the decisions were made, um, and it did not feel like a, a black box uh, that, was, that was just sort of punitive um, to surgeons, which is, I think, some of the sentiment people have felt in the past. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. Well, as we wind down here, Scott, as the chief performance officer for such a renowned institution, I would be curious to take a step back, and are there any forecasts or projections you feel confident in sharing with us today about the current and future perioperative operations landscape, where do you see it headed? Are there any trends that you see on, the, on coming up that we, you and at HSS want to be ready for? Sure. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's, there's several that, that we're really seeing um, now that's helping forming our strategy. 
Um, I would say the the first is almost a trend away from surgery, uh, meaning that, you know, more and more there's a focus on wellness. There's a focus on uh, injury and disease prevention. That's certainly, you know, very true at HSS and, and I think across the industry. Um, making sure that, that people don't end up in a situation uh, where they need surgery if they can avoid it. Specific focus there on a lot of spine injuries and, you know, making people, making sure people are, are, are healthy and, and taking care of their musculoskeletal system to minimize the need for surgery. When people do, you know, inevitably need surgery, um, I think what you're seeing is a shift towards home. You know, people, people have always enjoyed local health care. But certainly over the last several years and, and really catalyzed by the pandemic in the last couple of years, you know, there's been a real desire for healthcare services closer to home that's, you know, largely focused on outpatient. But I think there's now a, a really growing desire for surgery and the willingness, you know, to, to travel to a major, major metropolitan area, I think, is, is a little bit less than it has been in the past. And then there's, you know, an ongoing shift for surgery that's done. Inside the hospital, the length of stay is getting shorter and shorter, you know, closer to, to a day or two. And, you know, related to that, a lot of surgeries are shifting from inpatient hospital settings to ambulatory surgery settings, which is great for patients and providers. It's, you know, it's, it's an easier system to manage. It's easier for patients to access. Uh, you can build more ASCs more easily and put them in local markets. And, you know, providers love them. They're, they're highly efficient and patients, you know, generally have a wonderful experience there. So I think we'll, we'll see a lot more ambulatory surgery centers uh, popping up over the next couple of years, see a lot of surgery that was historically done in hospitals, may have had a very long length of stay, start to, to shift towards those ambulatory centers and be a much quicker process for patients so they can, you know, get back to, to doing what they know and love. I want to thank you for your time and this, this great conversation today. It was really so insightful to learn more about the changes and improvements that have occurred at HSS. Uh, it's been a really anxious couple of years for healthcare workers and patients. So it's always really a treat to hear about any way that something or somebody has made their lives and work easier, which I think you just detail for us at great length. So thank you very much. No, it's it's my pleasure. Um, you're right. It's been a it's been a challenging couple of years, um, and we've certainly had our challenges at HSS. But I think um, we feel very good about about the future, and we'd obviously like to see the pandemic get under control as we all would. But you know, we're 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 seeing you know our ability to care for patients in new and different ways. I think it's positive for them. And it's positive for the institution. So the future's bright. We're excited, um, and and thank you for having me today. Of course, our pleasure, and I love that optimism. I would like to thank Hospital IQ as well for sponsoring this episode. You can also tune into more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting our podcast page. On behalf of Becker's, thanks for listening.